Thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting the Apple Bits XL. You probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network. ExpressVPN will secure your privacy and protect your information. Visit expressvpn.com slash applebits and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. All right, let's get to the show. Oh, uh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everyone. This is a fun show because this is really the show before WWDC 20 on Monday, June 22nd. Apple's going to do their big announcement, their big keynote. It's going to stream live on their YouTube channel and on through their app and all the different ways that they can reach out to you, which also means if you know the stuff that I do, we're going to have BTZ's keynote kind of pre-show. We'll do the commentary during it, the post-show. We'll have guests. We'll have call-ins. We'll do some giveaways. It's going to be all good. It's just a great way. You know, we enjoy kind of all the spectacle that is an Apple keynote. That's going to happen on Monday, June the 22nd. My show starts around 9 a.m. Apple's keynote starts around 10 a.m. and then we'll have the post show. So join me for that. It's going to be a good time. And then also, look, for this week, we're going to talk all about the hardware and the software. So Gil Cabrera, G Money, friend of the show, he's going to jump on here and we're going to go back and forth in. You know how fun that always is. Also, how do you support the show? How do you be a part of it? You know what to do? Call in, voice memo, record it, whatever platform you are, your phone, your computer, send it in, Apple Bits Show at gmail.com. That's AppleBits with a Z. Your name, where you're from, your comments, because I think you're going to have a lot of thoughts with WWDC. Call us after the keynote because I think all your thoughts and opinions, it's your reaction to what Apple did. That's what we want to hear. So remember, send the voice memo. You guys and gals are a huge part of the show. AppleBitsShow at gmail.com. Also, I continue to thank you for your support. This is completely 100% independent. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to do it. Starting at $2 per month, five, 10, 25, the platinum level of $100. And this covers everything that I do, the show, the podcast, all my videos, all my content. I am independent and I know these are crazy times, but I'm very so grateful for all of your support. You get early access to all the content. You get bonuses at different levels and then also a completely ad-free version of the show so you wouldn't even hear anything that i just said so patreon.com slash brian tong that is how you can support the show all right let's just get right to it here it is gil cabrera aka g money talking wwdc 20 what's up everybody you know what this is this is the wwdc 2020 preview we're talking hardware we're talking everything to expect we're talking software all of that i had to bring in i don't know i'm gonna call you my partner in crime here gil because <laughs> you have you have earned i don't even know how many times you've been on this show but clearly you are you are on the leaderboard you are the top of the top oh that's very kind of you to say good to be back uh now from home so so you won't get any sirens hopefully if, if you hear a siren it's bad because <laughs> you know versus downtown where there's usually sirens all the time well thanks for coming on man um always fun to just kind of go back and forth and you know wwdc will be a little different because it's all streaming online but i guess that's not really any different for you and me because 
A, I've never, I've been to WWDCs in the past, but, you know, over time I've kind of covered them live, which I will be doing. You know, people can check out the live stream on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Brian Tong. Does this feel, the idea of it feel any different to you at all? I mean, from the consumer perspective, no, just because we're still going to get news. <laughs> you know, we're, yeah. we're, presumed, we're presumed they're going to launch some stuff. They're going to talk about the, uh, you know, the new changes to the to the various OSs. So in that sense, it doesn't feel uh, new. The thing I was wondering was, uh, you know, can anybody sort of stream the stuff now and, and watch it? And, and not that I need streaming a lesson on coding or, or the, the latest stuff on the, on a particular approach to their iOS app development. But, you know. It might be interesting to just drop in. Well, what's cool is that, you know, they do have their iOS. You just download the Apple developer app. And because they are streaming online, you're going to be able to watch sessions if you want to. Now, I wouldn't say, like you said, if you're not into coding, don't go to those. But sometimes there's some interesting ones where they'll pull out um, related to HomeKit or even tvOS. And I'll see which ones I drop in on. But if you watch some of them, you're actually able to pull some nuggets or you can just wait for like three days later and then I'll just pull them all free and talk about it. I mean, that's usually what I do under most circumstances. <laughs> I, I, I wait for the, I wait for the BT oh, breakdown, the BT breakdown. All right. So let's start breaking some of this down. Um, obviously a lot of hardware and software. We're going to start with hardware because I think that is going to be at least the most interesting to see how Apple actually does this. But we've heard all the reports. We had Mark Gurman on the show last week to really talk about this in depth, but the big, big story is that Apple will be switching to ARM chips, or at least making the announcement that in 2021, they will move over and at least release the first Mac, whether it's a notebook or a desktop, likely likely a notebook, using ARM processors. We've seen just how the ARM chip has evolved. It's become just a powerhouse, specifically for the iPad Pro, where we still haven't even seen its full potential untapped. But Intel to ARM, for you... From what you've heard and read, do you have any concerns about this, or or where do you stand with all this? So I, I, I'm of two minds. One is that I remember, and I, I was just curious about this. I remember when they switched from uh, whatever their Power PC chips, whatever they called them before, to Intel, and like you had to get new versions of different software, like like Word and things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if that's the same deal with this or not, or if they're building these chips in a way that'll work. Kind of this, all the software will work regardless. Um, so that's question number one. But the on the on the positive side is, I mean. I think one of the strengths Apple always has is their is their vertical integration, and I think the tighter they're able to do that, I, I'm guessing you're probably going to start squeezing out more performance out of all of these machines. So that part's exciting uh, because that's you know that's the thing they do and that's the thing they excel at. Yeah, I think that um, you know there are two schools of thought. It just comes down to how compatible it's going to be with software. Because I don't have I I have no issue thinking that at least the initial machine they're going to put out will most likely be the most general consumer level product that they have, whether it's an iMac with an arm or a Mac, just the general low priced entry level MacBook, just because, you know, they can spend a lot of time getting these apps, these core apps that are compatible, work with a few of the developers like Microsoft. Um, You know, I don't know, Adobe typically takes a while to catch up to speed to get their apps on par with the new processors. That's the same thing that happened. I think when they went from, PowerPC to Intel, it was at least a year and a half, arguably close to two, once Adobe finally was like, yes, we are on board. And that, as a creative, you're just, you were just kind of waiting and seeing, and you're still able to do your job, but 
it just takes time to do this. So I'm just curious who's going to be left in the dark, who's going to take their merry time on the Switch, and who's not. Um, because the general consumer is going to be using sur- web surfing, emailing, some photos, some yeah, word processing, whether they use Google Drive or not. That's about it. And if that's who you are, I think this transition won't affect you at all. Yeah, although, I mean, it'll be an interesting thing because, you know, you could see people buying these and then they go to download some app and then all of a sudden it doesn't <laughs> work, right? I mean, that, that's the night, nightmare scenario, scenario for Apple. So they're going to want to tightly integrate it somehow um, in that regard. And ARM at least used to be not as powerful, right? I mean, wasn't that the whole the whole point of it was it was a sort of like a lower power pro, uh, con, uh, consuming kind of uh, architecture and mm-hmm. and and as a result, you also didn't have as much power. But I assume in terms of just capability, it's that's caught up uh, to sort of the more traditional chips, which is why they're shifting over. Yeah, I mean, even as far back, I think, as the iPhone, I can't remember off the top of my head, it was either the iPhone or 7 or iPhone 8. I mean, the ARM chips inside there were, at least based on quote-unquote benchmarks, were performing on the same level as like entry-level laptops at that point in time. But this is what, four or five years ago? And so now you're seeing that they can absolutely be run as a main processor. It just comes down to, okay, get your ducks in a row, get all the software developers that are far smarter than either of us to do it. But I'm excited about this because if, for example, there are certain things on the table, I don't know, Mark talked about it and it totally reminded me about how, I don't know if you remember back in the day, we used to upgrade our, there used to be at least a processor upgrade every six months or so like within a year before they made the next big architecture jump from the next processor family. And that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, we're seeing stuff every year, year and a half. I don't expect the ARM chips to do a processor upgrade every six months. But for me, the fact that they're going to know exactly every timetable to deliver products exactly on the time we want, I think we're going to start seeing once they get into the groove of things, a faster turnaround time and a faster upgrade cycle. I'm not saying it's going to be like, every six months but maybe it won't be a year and a half or two i mean you got something like the uh imac pro it hasn't been upgraded since 2017 and that's quote unquote a pro machine that that shouldn't that honestly shouldn't really happen from a processor standpoint yeah no i i I think that again it's the secret sauce of apple is to control their own destiny and um i'm frankly surprised it took this long although it also just shows just how far Intel has fallen, right? I mean, yeah. just the, the total collapse of Intel is amazing when you when you think about uh, between this and some of the other in, uh, areas that they've left um, completely, right? So it's 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 an amazing thing, and I think it'll give Apple much more control of its destiny. Which I agree with you. Uh, unfortunately for our wallets, it's probably not a good thing because maybe you'll have a much faster upgrade cycle. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's the thing. I know Gil, you like to. Um, Typically, when I have you on the show, you say, oh, I'm going to upgrade so I can give my daughter or my wife the older model that I have, which will allow (laughs) me somehow magically every year, just allow me to upgrade. So (laughs) I'm 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 wondering here, what what would it take, or maybe it wouldn't take anything, for you to upgrade to an ARM chip machine? Is it going to be the price? Like if it's significantly lower, you're like, I will do that? Or if you don't need it, you're just going to be like, I'm fine for now. Like, where do you stand with that? At least right no, now. No, I, I mean, you've definitely, you, you, you definitely know the, the code of, uh, and, and the <laughs> secret of my upgrades. And, and that is that <laughs> every, every time somebody else's, uh, uh, 
uh, device breaks or <laughs> or slows down or needs any kind of move. Um, I get the new one, they get my old one. Um, and, and that, and you know, this because my, my, my new MacBook pro is exactly for that reason. My, my, my youngest had an iMac and it was just painful, right? Like to, to just log in and, and open Safari was like an hour. Uh, and, 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 and she, and she's trying to like, you know, do her distance learning. And I was like, uh, that squeaking you hear is my nine week old puppy in the background. Um, and, uh, and, and I was like, Oh, this is ridiculous. You, you need a better computer. I happen to have a lovely MacBook pro that works really well. You may have mine. And then I just bought a ridiculous machine, which is a beast. So yeah, that's, that's so right now we're all current in our devices. So if it, it next year, who knows, maybe, maybe the, one of the old MacBook pros will die and I'll have to, I'll, I'll just have to upgrade again. <laughs> I can't help but laugh the whole time. You'd, I have to listen to this these first world problems. You'd be really, you'd be really proud of me. I have a cracked iPhone, I, uh, Apple Watch, right. and I'm and I'm I'm stretching this thing out until the fall if I if I can. So we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Well, well, Gil, I'm really, I'm really proud of you. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. All right, um, you know the ARM transition is going to happen. We expect to see it announced at WWDC. There are no signs that. It's not going to happen. That will be the biggest story. But at least the biggest hardware story that would affect people the most is the report that new iMacs are coming. And I talked about the iMac Pro not getting updated for since 2017. The latest kind of standard iMac hasn't just had like kind of a speed bump about a year ago or so. But Sonny Dixon, who leaks a lot of stuff in quite honestly, very accurately over over the years, put out a tweet of, I believe it was last week, just saying that the new iMacs, there will be new iMacs incoming at WWDC. Here's the here's the kicker. An iPad Pro design language with Pro display-like bezels, so kind of that thin, I don't know, looks like about a quarter of an inch, a little more, a half of, third of an inch thick bezels. A T2 chip with just their security and controller chip. And then new graphics with AMD's Navi. No more Fusion Drive. Fusion Drive was the, um, it was kind of a, uh, I don't want to call it a crossbreed, but yeah, it was a crossbreed of a partial solid state drive and then a regular spinning hard drive that would be able to use the solid state drive access to get quick access to things, but then still be able to have the large capacity of the spinning drives. Well, they don't really need to do that anymore. We, we're getting like up to eight terabyte solid state drive options now in our machines. And so an iMac with an iPad Pro design. Now, Gil, you just replaced an iMac. Does this design and the renders look inspiring to you at all? Where are you at with this? <laughs> it reminds me of the old uh, John Stewart joke where he was going through all of his eye devices and he said, I've got the iPhone. And then he pulled an, an iPad out. I got the big iPhone. <laughs> and it's like, you're going to be like, you pull out your iMac. I got the super big, the super sized iPhone. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm surprised. I, I probably not surprised. It's very Tim cookie uh, in the sense of, of, uh, of keeping, uh, you know, a lot of the, the look and feel of it all and make it really consistent across the board. Um, the image in this, in this, uh, that we that we're seeing where it's literally just a, a huge iPad with an <laughs> iMac stand is kind of a crack up. Uh, but, but it looks uh, nice. It does look nice. I mean, I guess it, uh, the the question is, are they getting rid of the bubble in the back? Because uh, if they are, then that'd be kind of cool. It'd be a super thin, it'd be a super thin screen at that point. Um, but do you look I, at you the know. back of your iMac. Do you look at the back of your daughter's iMac ever? So when we had it. 
it was it was uh it was at a on a desk that happened to be behind our couch so you could see it all the time i don't i i would really wouldn't care although but but the reality is this i've completely moved we've completely moved away from desktops we all have laptops mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. everybody in the house now has a laptop so i i don't and i don't see myself going back to a desktop there's no reason for it and it totally makes sense you know we we've seen this just in general i mean just the mac lines the actual desktops they're selling significantly lower. We are in the age of the notebook, absolutely. It's at least from a computer standpoint. And everyone's trying to push us even more. And people are able to more and more just do things on their mobile devices, right? Obviously, iPad Pro, Magic Keyboard is trying to push a segment of that Apple group towards that direction to replace the laptop. And, you know, we'll get ARM chips. So it just kind of little aspects of each side are starting to blend into each other more and more. But uh, I really... I think this design is hot. I mean, I don't have a reason to buy any new hardware nor nor the funds, but I think this iMac will will definitely spark some users to to jump on board and it'll come down to are they going to my assumption is they would at least keep that 21.5 inch smaller iMac as the older form factor because Tim Cook likes keeping those older models at a cheaper price. But this new one looks it looks hot. I hope I hope my friends at Apple are listening and give me a review, review unit that I will send, which I have to send back. But I, I would like to check that out. It looks, I think it looks sexy, man. Yeah, I, I, I could, I could see. No, it, it, it's, it could be cool looking. I'd be curious to see it. But uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, the thing about the the iMacs and and desktops generally, I mean, I think they're just going to be much more in the professional environment, right? I mean, that's where mm-hmm. where where most people are going to, especially when you need the bigger screen for for editing video and that type of stuff. It'll kind of go back to where, where Max were way back in the day where it was all the creatives that had them. Totally. Um, and that's the way they do it. And then, and then if you're in an office that you wanted to have a certain aesthetic, right, you get, you get Max. Yeah. And just a few couple bullet points about this Mac, you know, when we talk about specs behind it, the assumption is that it's going to be using Intel's newest Comet Lake processors. They are their 10th gen chips uh, currently, or sorry, they're the 10 core processor, chips currently they're using an eight core processor in the current iMac so that would be a bump up and then the biggest thing is using the Navi AMD graphics chip um the biggest thing behind that is it's going to be based off of the RDNA2 architecture and what's cool about that or at least interestingly enough is when people say well how powerful are the graphics well that architecture is the same chip architecture being used in both the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 that will be coming out this holiday season so if you've seen some of the demos that are out there of those machines, um, and even though we're not talking about gaming for a Mac, the Mac's going to be just fine with with all this new hardware inside of it. So just seeing from a power standpoint what they do is interesting. And then also, okay, if that's really just the general iMac, I mean, the iMac Pro has got to take even a bigger leap up. But when I look at all those stats, that sounds like an iMac Pro to me. So we'll, we're just going to have to wait and see at WWDC how this all comes together. We This is not 100% confirmed, but... At least talking to Sonny Dixon on my own, he says that it still looks to be happening and unless they kind of take it off, pull it off the table at the last minute. So the really the two big things that we really expect to see are the announcements from Apple switching over from Intel to ARM and then the new IMAX. Now, there are two things that we definitely most likely won't see. We talked a little bit about Gil's um, brand new shiny MacBook Pro 16 inch. How do you like that thing? It's lovely. I mean, I, we've always joked that I I, I overbuy <laughs> my MacBooks because given that basically I just run Outlook and Adobe 
Pro and Word and and Safari. It's stupid that I get the amount of power I do, but I <laughs> I, I always overbuy them just because I like I want to try to stretch them out and 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 have them as long as possible. So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean the the this thing could do some seriously awesome video editing. So you let me know if you ever want me to want to borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean it's the one that I use right now, so I would say. Yeah, you know, I'll be like, "Hey, Gil, uh, why don't you send it over? I need to, I need to access some of that extra CPU power. Just like link them up together." <laughs> I'm here Just to help. I'm it. here to help. Thank you. <laughs> you go. Thank you so much. Um, but the new MacBook Pros just recently got an upgrade option with a video, like a build-to-order video card option. So in the past, you had the um, the base model is like an AMD Radeon Pro 5500M with four gigs of GDDR6 memory. So this new one is a $700 upgrade. It gives you a 75% boost in performance from the base model 16-inch MacBook Pro. It's the Radeon Pro 5600M with 8 gigs of HB M2 memory. So this is this is a beast kind of option. They've typically done this around midway in the, I guess I would say, life cycle in a year during, during the MacBook Pro kind of 16-inch. They did this last year about, I think, three or four months after they released it. And then with this new model of 16-inch MacBook Pro for this year, they're kind of doing it around six months after. So you get at least a video card bump. And then the other one is for the Mac Pro. For all of you two people listening that purchased the Mac Pro, uh, they're now offering four SSD kits that are customer installable for one terabyte, two terabyte, four terabyte, and eight terabytes. In fact, if you want the... uh, Eight terabyte upgrade, it'll cost you two thousand eight hundred dollars. A couple bucks. Seems worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds uh, by, by the way, awesome. just just to re, just to reinforce the stupidity of the way I buy stuff, I'm pretty sure I I my micro has that second uh, eight gigabyte GDDR six Wait, wait, you can, no wait, reason. wait, wait, wait. You 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 bump you bumped up. You maxed out your hard drive. Uh, hard drive. No, no, no. The the graphics. Oh, the video card. Video card. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah. The video card is really? for absolutely no reason upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're all. You're all. Wow. Um, surfing the web looks amazing. The live stream's gonna look amazing. Right. I mean, you know, I I, I want to make sure you look good when I'm watching the show, and <laughs> and that that seemed to be the way to do it. I don't think I, I didn't max it out, but I definitely upped it. So it's not the first. It's not the baseline. It's yeah, the one yeah. Above it. So yeah, yeah. That's probably what you got in. I appreciate the plug um, and tying it to my live stream. That's that's very kind of you, Gil. Here for you, brother. <laughs> All right. Now this is um. There's some hardware stories that came out that not really related to WWDC, but they just happened really today that we wanted to talk about. And I thought this was really fun and interesting. We had Mark Gurman on last week. I talked about that, but he just put out a new report today detailing a story about Apple's AR VR gaming headset plans and how they've gone back and forth and have been altered basically with two kind of camps within Apple. So we know that Apple's working on Apple glasses, but before that, Apple at the same time has also been working on some type of VR AR headset. Now, in this story by Mark Gurman that is very detailed, they have basically a 1,000-person group, strong group, that is devoted specifically to the VR and AR department, okay? And so they've been developing different headsets. This first headset, this is not the glasses. This is specifically the VR AR headset, uh, codenamed internally N301. And according to this report... I'll just kind of read a little bit from it. It was initially designed to be an ultra-powerful system with graphics and processing speeds previously unheard of for a wearable product. 
Now, according to German, the processing capabilities were so advanced, they produced a whole lot of heat that the technology could not be crammed into a sleek headset. Instead, it was the Apple team planned to sell a stationary hub, which in its prototype resembled a small Mac that you would connect the headset to with a wireless signal. Now, this headset would also be able to operate in a less powerful independent mode, but that was that was the original intention. Now, what's interesting is that there appears to be, according to Bloomberg, really this beef between two teams for who's right, who who had the right to or whose vision was more important. We had the designers who are saying we want this ultra powerful headset, but then we have Johnny Ive who said, uh, let's go with a less powerful technology. We'll still make it good. We won't need a hub. We don't want to give people that power that they, you know, whether they want it or not, they won't know any different difference. The standoff between the team and I've lasted months and Tim Cook ultimately sided with Johnny Ive. So this has now kind of shifted the direction of this headset internally to not be that kind of ultra powerful graphics processing unit on your face. And this is again is the VR AR headset. It would be this kind of quote unquote and it, Again, we don't know how much more powerful it really is because VR and AR are still figuring itself out, but it is now kind of this more self-contained, less powerful version. And it's it's kind of interesting to hear this story and see how the remnants of Johnny Ive's influence is still there. It was Johnny Ive and Mike Rockwell, who was the executive heading up Apple's team for their AR VR project. You read this article. Um, what did you think about it? Uh, so I, I, I was in awe that, that Johnny still has the sort of leverage that he has. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. There's a lot of legacy that comes with that. So I, I certainly understand that I I've been excited about the concept of an, of an Apple VR gear, just because I think they, that's something they could probably do well. I have a quest and I, you yeah. know, I love it. I think it's, it's like, it's really cool and it's, it, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. And I can only imagine if you've got, you know, somebody that, that, somebody like Apple that does a lot of the sort of, again, better integration and better capability type of stuff that they could really shine there. And, you know, if they get out fast enough, they could, they could really move into that market uh, like Apple can move into a market. Right. Um, So it's kind of cool. I I was, I was amused by the concept of a secretive thousand. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. But I was like, how, how secretive is that exactly? Like, you know, it's a thousand people, That's right? Really but, funny. Uh, but that 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 was the one thing that made me laugh. I also thought, like, ain't no way I'm buying a, a VR headset that has a MacBook I got to attach to, or a small Mac I got to attach to it. They they definitely needed to kind of solve that issue. Um, but I, I also could see the people like putting them on and then it heating up on their face. That that could be uncomfortable. I think what's interesting though here is that. You know, Johnny Ive clearly, when this decision was made, had a lot of influence on, you know, he is the head of design. And then there was a point in time where he took over to kind of bridge the design and the iOS software. But here he, uh, Tim Cook, maybe feeling a little bit of that allegiance to, hey, we need to still honor Steve Jobs' vision and who in the company has the closest ties and the closest kind of, um, I guess beliefs that aligned with Steve Jobs was Johnny Ive, and you almost you almost think that 
wow, Johnny, I've this wasn't a design decision. I mean, it was partially, but it it also was really more of a product feature decision that they changed up. You know, I, I, I. Well, the, yeah. oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, design driven though, which is not unusual, right? True, I mean, I, I, I think I think over its history, especially with the sort of i devices, iOS, iOS devices, they were, you know, the, some of the limitations that were put on on features were tied to, mm-hmm. you know, Johnny's design, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I think, I, like I said, I think this is a very legacy driven um, aspect of of Apple's internal operations, right? So I, 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 that part actually didn't surprise me as much because I think if you're, if you're a, a Tim Cook who doesn't have the, I think the same kind of design confidence that, that uh, SJ did, mm-hmm. you know, what are you, what are you going to do? Right. You're not going to, you're not going to sit there and go, yeah, let's ignore the guy that's actually designed all the most incredible products we've ever had uh, for the, for the, for the engineering guys that want you guys to walk around with like a, like an oxygen tank, uh, roller attached to your headset. So that not quite as surprising to me. I think, I think that was the probably the right call. Yeah. We, we don't know exactly how bulky or how big this was. To be honest, I don't have as big of a problem if it did connect to this Mac hub wirelessly. Um, the report does add though, that although the headset is now in development, it is less technologically ambitious than originally intended, but it's still pretty advanced. It still has ultra high resolution screens that'll make it, according to the report, virtually almost impossible for a user to differentiate the virtual world from the real one. So we've got to be talking at least, I'm not going to say an 8K display, but at least 4K displays in in those uh, in that headset and a cinematic speaker system to make the experience even more realistic according to people who have used the prototypes. This I'll is- believe I'll believe the, the, the speaker thing makes sense to me. I'll believe the differentiation piece <laughs> when I see it. I mean, again, I think the Quest is amazing, and I've seen some of the heavier-duty uh, Oculus stuff, and it's it's awesome, but it's not. Yeah. I mean... Nothing's ever it, come to like blur the there, real world. There, yeah, there ain't no differentiation there. <laughs> I mean, you can you're just and, and again, I mean, someday I think I suspect we'll get there for sure. But uh, you know, I, I I'd, I'd be amazed if on their first outing they it's it's quite that good. But we'll see. Yeah, according to the report, the story also says that Apple wants this headset to have its own app store uh, with a focus on gaming and the ability to stream video content while also serving as a super high-tech communications device for virtual meetings. Um, Siri will control the headset, although it's reportedly being tested with a physical remote. Now, that that line is interesting because I went to, um, I was at a Qualcomm conference, man, was that in late December of last year? This is while we could still travel. And there were a few demos showcasing this whole like virtual meetings setup. And it started to become fascinating, right? This is not something that's available on the consumer level yet. But I was wearing a headset. We all had avatars. They they took a picture of my face from online and wrapped it onto an avatar, which was kind of weird, but kind of cool at the same time. But they had us in a simulated retail store experience, walking through aisles, placing products on aisles. And it was one of those things where I was like, okay, yes, do they, do they still have a ways to go? Sure, but they were closer than... They were they were a lot far further advanced than I would say. It didn't feel awkward. It didn't feel chunky. We were able to like write notes and expand, like write notes on a wall and expand them, throw them, put them on another wall, move products around. I thought it was really interesting. So, you know, if Apple wants this to be that, obviously it comes down to really having the software in place. But as I've seen a lot of these projects, 
there's more and more absolutely business case uses for this kind of virtual presence. And now, I mean, look at the age, the era that we're in right now with COVID-19, without a vaccine anytime soon, with cases spiking again, because, you know, people are like, oh, it's been two months. I can't take this. I'm just going to go act like I normally did, which, hello, it's still there. Um, This kind of virtual meeting presence thing might become more important over time. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, right? Oh, for sure. And I, I saw somewhere, somebody, um, I can't remember some article I read where somebody was interviewed. Uh, they did like a, like a virtual interview show using VR headsets. Um, and I can't remember the software that they, that they used to do that, but, uh, but it was, uh, at least theoretically consumer facing. So it was kind of an interesting concept. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think you're going to start seeing more and more of that. And if you can, and if you can make it kind of, really, really, uh, um, uh, user friendly and to where it, it's kind of a cool experience and it feels like you're in the same room, right? That's, that's the thing that zoom yeah. and, and all those things don't give you, right? You're not in the same mm-hmm. theoretical space Then I think, I think it could be very, very popular actually. Um, uh, you know, I, I think the adoption rate of VR is still, still very nascent. So it's going to have to like crank up, but you know, you stick, you keep us in our houses for another six months and who knows? <laughs> hey, who knows? We'll be using three seashells in a little while. That's um, <laughs> the demolition man. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. All you youngins go check out demolition, man. You'll, you'll appreciate that. Um, also the report says, yes, Apple's still working on a pair of air glasses. That's codename N four, two, one separate from the N three Oh one that we were talking about, which is the AR VR headset. Um, the augmented reality headset, according to Bloomberg, expected to be released in 2022, followed by the augmented reality glasses in 2023. Now, there had been reports um, from John Prosser that the Apple glasses would be announced potentially at this year's September-October Apple event with a 2021 target. This Bloomberg article is saying, hold, hold on, it's going to be a little further out. Um, we'll wait and see, but still very fascinated with this idea this space more the apple glasses than ar vr i love so the thing is i kind of already know what ar vr headsets do and i i already love them but i don't i can only wear them for like 15 20 minutes tops totally yeah so that's that's where it kind of stops for me but um we'll we'll see what happens i'm excited about the i'm excited about the glasses although there was a uh uh, john oliver did this thing on facial recognition and Mm -hmm. you know i think i told you during one of our shows that one of the things i look forward to with apple glasses is just helping me with names (laughs) with people's names and (laughs) john oliver did this whole thing on how creepy that is because (laughs) because there's some russian app that you can put on a, on a Google phone that does facial recognition. And like this guy showed him across the way in a cafe from this woman and took her picture and then found out who she was and then uh-huh. had her name. And I'm like, okay, that's creepy. I don't want that now. <laughs> so only if it's limited to your context, that's what it should be. Yes. Yeah, I agree. But dude, you go to a lot of mixers and events. You're not going to put everyone in your contacts. I know, but the embarrassing thing is how many people that I should absolutely know their names off the top of my head that my that I totally blank out. I'm a horrible politician that way. I mean, <laughs> when I when I was when I was running for office, it was like comical sometimes. It's like, hey, hey, hey man, how are you? So hey, good to see you. Hey man. So then, hey, what it, who's buddy? it? What, okay, then if it's a lady, hey woman. So I would be like, hey you. <laughs> hey terrible. there, dear. <laughs> 
Hi, Missy. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, more stuff as we kind of talk about side stories around this. John Prosser back at it again, revealing pictures of the alleged air power like charging mat. Remember, this was the mat that was supposed to come out with the AirPods Pro or around that time, even just regular AirPods that was supposed to charge our phone, our Apple Watch, and our AirPods at the same time. Well, Apple has gone back to the drawing board. There's been several reports of them reworking this. Um, originally, the report came from Prosser that this new one will have less coils because one of the issues it had was that it was overheating. It'll be using an A11 processor kind of as the brains of this power mat to allocate which coils are charged based on what it's detecting. So it's going to be a lot smarter that hopefully that also optimizes um, the charging situation and keeps it cooler. But Prosser basically released a image of what is believed to be the prototype power mat. And just to remind us that the air power mat is still uh, it's still in play, baby. And I, I the other thing that he scared me with is he wrote that and we'll see if this happens. He wrote to expect it in Q4 of this year or Q1 of next year with a price point of $250. This train is so left the station. I mean, it's like, <laughs> guys, you know, you you tried, and I never understood why they failed to begin with because yeah. it just doesn't seem like that complicated. I mean, I'm, I'm not an engineer, so I should shut, shut up. Right but, now, right now, uh, engineers are shaking their heads. Oh, yeah, they're like, what's they're wrong with you? Shame. Do you see how thin that is? Also, I mean, it's it's crazy that it takes like an A11 processor to, to even handle it all, but uh, but it's still like, you know, I, I, I'm out 250 for this thing when I you can am, buy a no, perfectly good no. thing that'll charge three devices for under 100 bucks i just no. don't i don't not to mention by the way i you you know this i charge all my stuff on my nightstand if i have a flat thing on my nightstand all my devices are falling at some point yeah that's true that's a great point and look also at 250 dollars for just the mat yes it charges three things and it it's probably cool, but my the Apple Watch band that I wear, my Apple Watch doesn't even go flat. I use one of those metal bands; it's not going to even go flat. Yeah, so, I mean, I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I I think they, <laughs> I think they should have like stuck with the with the uh, veer off on this thing because it just, I, I don't know how you sell it, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Apple will prove prove us wrong as they usually do, or yeah. the Apple fan, the Apple fanboys that can't help themselves. Gil, you can always um, give your wireless chargers to your daughters or wife so that it can make room for a $250 air power mat. That, that's where I see that coming into play. Shut up, Brian. <laughs> All right, last story unrelated to WWDC, but still in the ethos of what we're talking about. John Prosser also um, kind of put out, threw this little little softball out for people just in case they're wondering of course we know that apple's been working on all types of devices there is no way apple is not working or at least playing with the idea of a foldable device so prosser threw out what he's heard and what his sources have told him that apple's foldable iphone isn't really a, a foldable device at least if you think of something like the samsung galaxy fold he says the current prototype has two separate display panels on a hinge right now they're round stainless steel edges like the current iPhone 11 design. There is no notch, um, but a tiny forehead on the outer display that houses Face ID before you open it. Um, there is a small seam, he says, between it. And I kind of, I've seen so many foldables. I actually really do like foldables, but I don't know. I'm not, maybe, I, maybe I've lost a little bit of love until someone just wows me again. I, I think the fold is amazing and I want to see that next that next fold to um, the Z flip was really fun, but 
they still have a little ways to go. Do do you would you get a foldable iPhone though, with a seam in it? Okay, this sounds so I stupid. With a seam, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, again, I don't. Uh, mind you, I, I was uh, when I say this, and you know me long enough to know that you got to take every every time I say it, I'm never buying that with a grain of salt. But uh, I was the guy that was like, when they came out with the bigger iPhones from the original size iPhones, I'm like, ah, bigger iPhone. Now I can't imagine not having them. You know, I gone to the max sizes but from the old like you know iphone 4 se size but um i just i don't i don't i I, maybe as my eyes continue to get worse i'll do it but i don't know and it's not what it does but it doesn't sound like it's one screen it just sounds like you're and or that it would be one uh that it would sort of stretch out the screen onto one screen right i mean i think it especially if it has that 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 gap so I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it depends on the use case and how they sell us on it. There's there's a phone, the LG V60, which is basically which is an interesting concept because it uses the phone as its own, and then it puts on this attached case that offers now a dual screen experience. So you'll still see a seam, but the way they do the dual screen experience, it, it's specifically geared um, whether it's for using maps, right? Like Google Maps now takes up two panels, or if you want to game on it the bottom area becomes a controller and you flip the screen up. Like they've been really smart about it. And I, I really feel like Apple would be smart to kind of take some of the, the thinking that LG did with that phone. It hasn't been a outright success. I mean, foldables in general are still trying to figure it out because it's really literally a phone with additional case that has an extra screen, but it's actually really clever at the same time. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, never, never say never Gil, like to your point. Oh, well, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm also just thinking about the weight. I just, you know, I, I, in your pocket, like all, 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 everything about that to me is just kind of like interesting. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure in, in, in four years, we'll, you'll be making fun of me for how when I said I wasn't going to use my, I was ever going to buy a fold, foldable. And now I have like three of them. I think that uh, not only will you have a foldable, but you'll have an AR VR set connected to a wireless hub that's a Mac that you didn't want that, either. All charging on a on a on a power mat. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Thanks again to ExpressVPN for sponsoring the show. Being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think much about internet privacy, especially in your own home network. So you could fire up incognito mode on your browser. No one can see what you're doing, right? Well, guess what? Wrong. Even incognito mode, when you're in it, your online activity can still be traced. Even if you clear your browser history, your internet service provider, they can still see every single website you've ever, ever visited. That's why even when I'm home, I've been recently using ExpressVPN. Now, ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP can't see what sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers. Each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users. That means everything you do is anonymized and can't be traced back to you. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with the best-in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. You can use the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Simply just tap one button and you're protected. It's the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market, rated number one by Wired, The Verge, and more. So I actually installed the app on all of my mobile devices, iPhones, iPads, and it's really easy because once you set it up, you just launch the app, you hit 
one button to connect and you're protected. It doesn't interfere with what I've always done. And there is kind of like a peace of mind associated to it as well. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit my special link at expressvpn.com slash AppleBits and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash AppleBits expressvpn.com slash applebits to learn more. All right, let's talk about WWDC software. Now, there's a lot of features that are being thrown out. We have we have some new information, obviously, about iOS uh, 13, iPadOS, I'm sorry, iOS 14, iPadOS 14, watchOS 7. So I'm going to kind of kind of go down the line on some of these. It is interesting to see just how it's evolved. But I think, you know, at the same time, some of this stuff is kind of really mature. So first of all, with iOS 14, and you can just chime in if you really like some of the stuff. If not, you can just whatever. But <laughs> they're going to get a tweaked home screen in iOS 14, according to reports. So this would be kind of a new home screen page. The interesting thing is that I don't know, many people don't know this, but there's an option to actually see your Apple Watch apps in a list. Did you know that, Gil? I did not know that, actually. Okay. That would be very useful. So check this out. <laughs> I'm going to let you do it while I talk about it, if you're wearing your Apple Watch. I so am. if you click on the home button on the digital crown that gets you to the icon, you know, when you see all your apps, like the little bubbles, the little circles. Yep. Okay, yep. when you're on that screen, do a uh, the deep press onto the screen, and it'll pop up and give you two new options, grid view, which is the circles, oh, or list yeah. view. And now if you choose list view, you can use you can use either scroll on the screen or the digital crown to list go through your apps in kind of a list oh, view. Oh, that's so much better. I'm never going back. Oh, I'm so, so what's really interesting about that is not only is that really cool, there's going to be different levels of sorting on the iPhone in this list view. So, because there's more screen real estate, you'll be able to maybe choose apps that have notifications on them. Um, you know, that recently had notifications versus ones that didn't or your most recently open it I, I, I think this is actually a really cool feature um, that I would use. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, one of the most frustrating things to me is trying to find an app that's not on my main screen. Uh, and, and then differentiating between the alarm, the stopwatch, and the uh, timer. Because <laughs> they're all orange watches. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. I mean, I barely, I rarely even, when I go to grid view, I mean, sorry, when I go to the little icon view, I kind of look at it and I'm like, oh, that's pretty, maybe once every month and then i'm like but i can't find anything on here whatever i i just use the apps that are really on my watch face right totally totally yeah and 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 but 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 uh there's a couple now that have sort of been during the covid crisis stuff that i've just mm-hmm. been using more than i used before for some reason and and that's just one of those funny things where i'm like i can't believe that that that, that i didn't know about that that's great yeah that's, I, see I just, see how useful it is when i come on this show oh, I, dude, totally. I mean so we, we walked it through yeah so just go to your little app view on the apple watch do a deep press on the screen and it gives you the option for the list view and um that's your bt tip of the day okay (laughs) also uh, apple's working on home screen widgets this is so funny to me it's like finally we're actually getting this widgets on our home screen according to uh, reports because what happened is nine to five mac actually got access to an early beta of ios 14 so they they have dissected this we're we know more about ios than we ever had going into any WWDC. But you have this ability now that if you're familiar with the iPad, the new layout gives you an option to kind of have um, at least a column of your, you know, your today's news and weather, but you can't yep. freely move that widget around. According to 
the reports in iOS 14, you will now be able to freely move home screen widgets. We don't know what all the widgets are yet, um, but this is obviously totally Android, something they've had for, I'm going to guess now, what, at least eight years, <laughs> at least? <laughs> it's so, it hurts. It hurts to say. It hurts. Yeah, I, I understandably. And I, I, I like that that little, you know, that sidebar that I, I yeah. use that on my iPad all the time. It's very useful. So it'd be handy to be able to customize it more. Because that's one of those frustrating things where you're like, is there a widget for that? Nope, guess not. All right, we'll just nope. let it go. Then. Did you, widget, widget didn't exist in the iOS um, vernacular until maybe iOS 14. Did it? Yeah. I, I, no, it, I mean, was it, that considered it, a widget? I guess that was considered a widget. Well, what they considered widgets was very limited yeah. is I think the issue, yeah. but it's been around for sure. Yeah, there's also going to be some new wallpaper changes, uh, some new options of how they sort them. A cool thing is that you can, this is so nerdy to me, but you'll be able to um, even customize the wallpaper on your CarPlay screen. Now, I don't have CarPlay personally. I, I don't think you do either, but I've used it when I'm at my mom's, when I'm visiting my family up north, and uh, okay, I could I could put my picture on her CarPlay, and she would just always have to look at my face. That's cool. That's <laughs> it's good. cool. It's good. It's a good thing to do. Yeah, no, I don't. We don't use it on either of our cars. So uh, Tesla doesn't let you, and the I think the Land Rover's too old for it. So. Woo! All right, now um, improved accessibility. There's going to be new alerts if the iPhone detects sounds like fire alarms, sirens, doorbells, and more. The the big two things though that are really going to be here in iOS 14 is the car key API. Now I've done, I covered like the Hyundai Sonata 2020 edition and there it's compatible with Android and it allows you to unlock the car, lock the car, start the engine, do, do a lot of cool things like that. And I'm like, why is this not available for iOS? And at the time they told me, look, Apple just has to open up their NFC API to allow us to talk to the phone and the car, but they never have. And so in iOS 14, according to the reports, the car key API, which has been under development since iOS 13.4, is expected to be finally introduced in iOS 14, which would allow cars that are compatible to unlock, lock, and start their car using an iPhone or Apple Watch. This is this is now Tesla, you can through their app. We've known that, but for all these other car manufacturers that have not been able to get access to this NFC capability because Apple's kind of kept it on lockdown, this this is going to open up the floodgates, and I think this is probably one of the most important features that we don't really think about that they're going to open up. It's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> I can just tell you right now, I I you know I have a hard time when I'm not in, when I'm using my wife's car. Because I, it, for, for you know, several reasons. One is I'll forget to d- take the damn keys out. <laughs> Two is I have to carry keys in my pocket, which pisses me off. I never carry keys anymore. And then three, I never turn off the car anymore. <laughs> so I, I'll literally just get out of her car and walk away, and it's still running, and the doors <laughs> are all unlocked. Um, so, so it, it, once you get used to it, it's the greatest feature in the world. I, you know, the thing with Tesla is they don't have it tied to your watch, which they totally should, because mm-hmm. that would be nice. Well, that, that's, that's, what's interesting. This will be able to work not only on iOS, but watch OS seven. So if they can get it even locked down to your watch, I mean, what, all you got to do is as a backup, bring your Tesla key, uh, key card, um, your credit card and ID and your Apple watch. That's all to drive. That's pretty, yeah. sl- that, that's pretty slick. If um, it's pretty it's pretty well. And if you think about it, uh, I guess you'd always want, well, I, I, there's times where I don't even bring my backup key, but I'll have, uh, uh, you know, with, with between Apple pay 
and an Apple wallet and my phone, I can ba- and, and I've, I actually took a picture of my, my license just in case I ever forgot my, oh, my uh, so I, I can leave the house with my phone and, and go to the store. So it's pretty cool. Man, you know what? I, I'm I'm thinking that there needs to be a show called Gil's Life. Just just call it Gil's Life. It doesn't suck. I got to tell you that. Oh, <laughs> uh, so Car Key API coming to uh, iOS 14. Very cool stuff. The other one that I guess will make the biggest impact is Apple's also developing a new app internally. This is a new augmented reality app. They're calling it Gobi. Um, we've talked about this in past episodes, but again, we're collecting all this information specifically for WWDC. Um, Obviously, it's going to let you see what's around you, deliver new information. They have been testing this in Apple stores and Starbucks. So if you right now use your phone or when iOS 14 comes out, use your phone or iPad camera. Please don't use your iPad and hold it up to food at a Starbucks. But um, if you use either of <laughs> those two, you could learn about a product. This is really cool. Even it was discovered later in iOS 14 that Apple has even developed their own kind of QR codes. They look like these circles with colored cones on them. You know, Apple is really setting themselves up to take the learnings from all these phones and iPads with AR, LiDAR sensor cameras. How, even if people don't use the apps that much, because I don't see myself using it that much, I might play with it a few times. There will be people, though, that use it a lot more than me, and how they use it, they're going to take that knowledge and just directly plug it into their Apple glasses and learn from that. Um, are you, where are you at with augmented reality with your phone? Are you using it that much? I don't. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I think the, the, the only reason I would use it is for like furniture, you know, buying mm-hmm. and stuff like that to sort of replace it. But I've never, I've never had to because I'm never really using my phone to buy anything like that. I'm usually on my, my iMac or my, uh, my iMac, my MacBook or my, my iPad. But um, I, it, this reminds me though of like a neural net con- concept where mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're going to take all this information in. And they're going to be able to sort of push it out throughout their 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 products, and they'll they'll have the benefit of all the information of all the, of all these iOS products that are out there. So it, it could be very cool. I've always thought that this is um, especially information wise, where like you're on a street corner or you're you're looking for something, and you sort of just aim the camera, and it just starts telling you where everything is. That would be awesome. Very yeah, I know it'd be super slick. So I'm going to kind of go through a few features. Um, quickly, and then we'll jump over to iPadOS. There, there's really a lot to talk about, but some of these are more significant than others. So I'll kind of hit some of the highlights. HomeKit's going to get a big update with iOS 14. The system is going to feature a new night shift to light feature. So what this does, it essentially takes your smart lights, if you have smart lights at home, and for those of you that do, they can change color temperature between like cool light and warm light. So what this night shift to light feature in HomeKit would allow the temperature of your lights inside to match the temp, the light outside. So typically daylight, you know, little or warmer colors to cooler colors, just kind of like how night shift does on your iPhone and iPad screen. I thought that was kind of cool. I don't think everyone wants this, but I would, I would definitely try it out and see if like, Oh, okay. The daytime, the more like kind of blue energy light versus the nighttime warm light. I mean, I'm, I'm a Philips hue guy. I have a lot of st- Pretty much all my main rooms are equipped with them. So this, I don't know, it kind of applies to me. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, it, it could be interesting. It's it's sort of weird, though, when you're not looking at a screen and it's adjusting the temperature in the whole room. That's mm-hmm. the, That'll be the interesting thing to see if it's cool. Because I, I have the same thing. We have, we have Philips Hue all over the house, so we, we could totally, totally use it. But I'd be... I, that's one of those things where you're, you're used to your room looking a certain way mm-hmm. at night, right? And True. so does that alter it for you? Yeah, yeah interesting. I- Apple's also doing um, expanding its HomeKit secure video system. 
This will be able to, according to the reports, identify specific people on camera, such as family members. They say the only use is that you'll receive custom notifications based on who they see. Again, this is kind of a vague description. We won't know what it really means, will it? We already know that Siri can now hear and at least identify multiple voices, which it didn't before for the longest time. So I maybe that comes into play with the facial recognition and then delivering content or when you ask for, you know, add this to my calendar, things of that nature to be more accurate. We're going to have to see how, how this plays out. I, I'm always, Apple, yeah, they have the best privacy when it comes down to this type of information. That's also why they, they aren't as necessarily as versatile as other products. But I mean, maybe it's just me where it sounds creepy when we start identifying people's faces. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I can. I, my wife got upset at me because um, we were out in the backyard. We have cameras on the perimeter of the house, mm-hmm. and and that that have on the backyard. And um, she was she was getting onto the hammock and and like slipped off of it. And so it was. I was kind of cracking up. And then I looked up and the camera was there. And I'm like, oh god, I hope it caught that. And then I found it. I found the this the clip of it and sent it to her. And she was like. Are, are we recording everything in our backyard? I'm like, no, no, just when it's movement, it just happens to capture it. It just happened to capture when it did it. She wasn't crazy about that, but uh, I think this would creep her out even more. I do. Apple, though, is the, we've just talked about this. Apple is the company I, I more than most with this type of Agreed. stuff, though, Agreed. because it's that's that's the way they approach it. Um, and so I, I I like the 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 whole HomeKit concept on the security cameras because their their whole thing is they're going to store your video on you know at your house yeah. basically. And I think that's a great that's a great move because I I shifted my all of our security cameras to a company where the video clips don't get they don't go to the cloud they stay mm. on, on your hub they stay for local. that very yeah for that very reason what's this what's the service called it's called Eufy it's uh is the is the company that does the the security cameras and it's HomeKit compatible so mm. I think eventually it'll also once because I don't think Apple's rolled out that 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 capability yet. Um, and I, so that'll shift over, but right now it, it actually stores everything on the camera hub itself. So oh, that's it's, nice. it's pretty cool. Yeah. No, Very nice. cool. Um, last iOS detail, 14 detail that we'll talk about again, there's going to be a lot of others, but Apple maps, which I've been giving a lot more love to over the past, I would say two years now. So don't think I'm a hater on Apple maps anymore. I'm just going to start showing more details of businesses and locations that you've been to. So more details about the Apple stores. Um, for example, hardware repair availability in the future which which matters because although you you know how fun it is to go and search on the internet and then find a retail store and do a genius bar appointment and then go through all those times how nice would it be if it was just on your apple maps when you typed in a location that yeah, would be rad. that would be that sweet would, that would be rad because it, it is remarkably not oh, easy no. to schedule an appointment no. with it at the genius bar now they, no. they've made it like so difficult i, I mean i i think it's per, I mean, they could do better so it has to be purposeful that they want it to be tough to schedule an appointment. When, when you and i are both saying it's not easy that means it's a lot tough like i can't tell my mom to book a genius appointment genius nope. bar appointment they're yep. like there's no way in hell i'll i have to do it for her right and so yeah. That's kind of a problem because the people that need support and help the most are typically the people that are like my mom. So, um, yeah, they'll need to do that. But that's really cool. They're also the app is going to be able to do different things um, like tell people, hey, if there's places that have seatings for couples, discounts for children or private rooms. Now, this obviously doesn't apply in the current situation we have. So maybe this is something that we don't see at WWDC, but their Apple Maps I mean, even their street zoom feature, honestly, I've played with it every time I go into the app and I've played with it. I'm like, 
this is really cool. I'm this might be blasphemous to some, but it is better than Google Street View. I'm sorry, yeah, I said you, it. You've been you've been a hater of, of I mean, you, you've been coming along uh, slowly, but I, 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 I switched over a few years ago, and it was and it's been working great. Um, and so I've I've been I, I, I remember the horribleness of the launch of Apple Maps, but they so fixed bad. it much a longer time ago than than I think most people realize. So totally. I've I've been and as as we've talked about, I mean I. As opposed to Google, I don't trust Google with any of my information, so I try to stay the hell away from them. That's a good point. All right, so that's um, iOS 14. There's a lot of other smaller things in there. We wanted to talk a little bit about iPad OS 14. There actually hasn't been too much revealed for it, but there's kind of two big points, um, which actually kind of gets me more excited because I think, if anything, I like it when we don't know too much, especially at WWDC, because these are features that we're going to get, that we're going to be able to put on the hardware that we have. Um so one of them will be built, sorry, more Apple Pencil tools. One of them is going to be the ability to use your Apple Pencil as an input on websites. So yes, we have our fingers, but what if you could use your Apple Pencil not only to scroll and select links, but draw it up, mark it up, not using it within like a screen capture in the notes, but directly from Safari and other browsers. It'll kind of make your Apple Pencil that much more versatile and you know, it's something where you, you might feel like, okay, I can use this. There's times where I've had websites where I needed to like take a screenshot, circle something for someone and send it to them. And I think this is kind of the thinking behind that. I haven't done it all the time, but there have been a few times where I have. And when I did, it, it came in really handy. The other iPad OS feature here, we know the magic keyboard, very sweet, but it has no function keys. So Apple has already been testing a keyboard shortcut combination on the magic keyboard so that you can adjust the brightness up or down on the fly without having to go on your screen to control center or go deep into the settings app to get it. This is just kind of a nice little subtle thing, but that, I mean, I'm never, I don't, I don't use the word game changer lightly and I'm not going to say it here, but it helps the game. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Are you, are you using the magic I, keyboard that much? All the time. Mm, what do you rate it? Yeah. I mean, now that you've had it for a while, wow, do you, give me a rating <sighs> on that thing. I, I mean, I I probably give it uh, I probably give it four stars. I mean, I definitely like it better than than the old one. I, it just feels better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really actually take it off of the of the thing, so I I just have it constantly on on that whole um, attached to the keyboard. I, I you know I take it off if I'm reading a book or something, but that's about it. Yeah. Do, do you um do you do you miss some of the versatility that your other keyboard had, like to flip it all the way around and stuff like that, or no? I do. I mean, there's definitely times where, where like, angle-wise, I'm, like, trying – I'm fighting it a little bit. Um, that part, I wish it had a little bit more give than it does. Um, and I'm unclear why it wouldn't, but mm-hmm. but that's – that's I'd, I'd say that's my only complaint. The other thing is, occasionally when it's on my lap or, or if I'm – particularly if I'm laying down, I have an angled weird, that mouse just picks up, you know, either some clothing or something, and it, all of a sudden I've, I've got a cursor on the screen, and that, that'll drive me crazy. But other than that, it's it's – I like the look of it. I like the feel of it. It definitely is easier to type on than the old yeah. one. Feels really good. All right, so let's jump over. Again, we aren't going to be able to cover every single thing, but let's just jump over to Watch OS 7, uh, something that is near and dear to my heart. The Apple Watch still has so much room to grow. Gills uh, has like, one of his corners shattered, so Watch OS 7 will at least give you new features that you hopefully can use and see on your shattered <laughs> Apple Watch screen. Um, first, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're mean. You're very mean. Oh, no. The, the more I talk about, the more you're going to upgrade. That, this is I weird. know. That's why I'm saying you're mean. Dude, I mean, I would have to deal with it. If it, if it okay, if the crack extends across the entire screen, then I think you need to do something about that. I know. 
I know. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm being very ginger, uh, gentle with it right now. <laughs> ginger and gentle. I'm being very, I'm using it gingerly. All right. Uh, Watch O7, new watch faces will be coming. One of them uh, is believed to be what's now called Infograph Pro. If you ever used Infograph before, it was kind of the one that had the most little widgets or little options of information. This new Infograph Pro will use the tachometer, um, kind of add it onto the outside of the clock watch face. And that's pretty much like an analog watch scale that helps measure speed and distance based on travel time. They're going to incorporate that into this Apple watch face. So that's really nice. And then watch OS seven will also get support for international flags to be your Apple watch face. This is basically, they just increased the size of their emojis and made it your watch face. <laughs> hey, that's cool. That's cool. That's a feature, baby. It's a feature. Sure. <laughs> um, I don't know if you think what you think about this one. I do like this one. Watch OS 7 will add support where you can create a shared album and multiple family members can use that shared photo album on iCloud and you can load pictures on them and then, you know, the watch face will rotate between those pictures. What do you think about that? I like that. You know, the thing I miss is um, it, it used to be that if you had uh, different iOS devices on different accounts, all the pictures would flow yes. into, you could yes. flow them into one place and they don't do that anymore. Yeah. That's the feature that's missing because there's all these, especially if you have a family, there's all these pictures my wife has on her phone that I've never seen yeah. or, or whatever. And that used to be a great feature. It was, was it photo stream? Is that what it was? Yeah, it might've been. I, I'm, I'm sure that I think some certain specific types of pictures ended up on photo stream that people didn't want. <laughs> Well, sure. I mean, you had to be careful, obviously, if you were doing things you shouldn't be doing. But uh, in in a nice, wholesome family, uh, BT, it's a good thing. <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, you're making the assumption that I thought you were wholesome. <laughs> All right. Um, two cool features. This is the Apple Watch has always been about health. Um, and that is what's really kind of helped elevate it, its status. It's really the de facto number one smartwatch out there on the market right now. Um, two new features coming, blood oxygen detection. We've talked about this in the past. Even a Dr. Amir Nakvi, Doc Nak, we talked about it as well. Um, according to reports and based on what they found inside of the code of iOS 14 that directly linked to watch OS 7, they're developing a new watch feature for detecting blood oxygen levels for the first time. Um, blood oxygen levels between 95 and 100% are considered healthy. Blood oxygen levels below 80% may lead to compromised heart and brain functionality, even the risk of cardiac arrest. And so this new feature, we don't know if you'll need new hardware for it um, in the actual physical watch. My assumption is no, because if they do announce it at WWDC, that means it works with existing models and we'll see how far back. But if this really does require new hardware on the watch, which I hope it doesn't, um, then that would be something that we would see in the next generation Apple Watch. But the blood oxygen level monitoring, really big. I mean, ECG readings last year were kind of the big thing with the new Apple Watch. I hope this is just all software. And then the other software feature, sleep tracking. We have. T I feel like I have asked about sleep tracking on the Apple Watch for at least three, four, five years, maybe since it first came out, because this is something that Fitbit and even uh, Microsoft's band for a while had... Um, this is going to be really big to have sleep tracking in here. It's going to be able to measure metrics like the sound heard um, while you're sleeping, noises, heart rate, and how much you've moved. It'll be directly linked to a sleep app, which does exist because that sleep app was accidentally leaked earlier this year. Um, the biggest thing, though, that I have to think about when I have the Apple Watch is that my Apple Watch still, if I don't charge it overnight, 
it'll definitely die within like before the middle of the next day. And so if you're wearing this while you're sleeping, I don't know people's routines, but you've got to find time to like just throw it on a charger once in a while. And I just feel like the only time I do is when I sleep. So I'm not, sh I'm not sure if I'm going to even use this for me, if I'm going to use the sleep tracking stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited about both of these features actually. And, and, um, <laughs> it, it made me laugh in because I'm, I'm trying to remember a time when there was a new feature that Apple just let you have with a software update. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 I will be pleasantly surprised if they do the blood ox and especially, and by the way, in the COVID times, this is important because um, blood ox level uh, deterioration is, is actually w one of the symptoms that you can get before you get a fever. Um, so it's an interesting aspect of it, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 like I said, well, you'll, you'll see a big smile on my face if they actually give that to you without, without the hardware update That's um, on, on the sleep tracking. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's when I charge my, my Apple watch. And if I forget, I'm, I'm done by mid morning usually. So yeah. we'd, I'd have to, I'd have to change my routines. I mean, and that's the biggest thing, you know, I love the Apple watch, but, and I love its size. I don't know what they can do per se, but they really need to, to, to last let's say two days right if it can get to the two-day mark which you know i know it does a lot that that would make a huge difference in just the usability for it because once you just forget to charge it one day it's literally absolutely useless the next day which kind of sucks totally yeah um, so this is these are all i mean these are all really good things i i hope that here's the thing okay the sleep tracking they have all the hardware in there right they don't need anything else the blood ox maybe I, I still think they have all the hardware there. It may not be as as accurate as possible, but I think the other the big thing is did you ever see those the stories about how there's like a physical, like an actual ring that people can wear that reportedly helps detect symptoms of corona someone who might be getting coronavirus like three days ahead of time? Have you seen that thing or even no, something about it? Okay, no, so it's it's a physical ring and it has sensors on it. And I look at that ring and I say to myself, what does that what would that ring have that the current apple watch doesn't have from a standpoint of sensors and i, I wonder i mean talk about another huge selling feature if apple came out of the gates at wwdc with something along those lines that could detect those same metrics and say oh we can at least potentially uh, alert you if you might have signs that are showing that are that align with coronavirus early signs that yeah that would be huge that That'd be huge. So anyways, watchOS 7, we talked about car key that is supposed to also work with watchOS 7. I think there's going to be a, a, another kind of batch of bells and whistles, maybe new little mini apps that they throw in there that we'll see. But that is, again, one of like the most exciting products for me that I'm looking forward to. I, I'm, I'm in love with the Apple Watch. Me too. I can't wait to get my new one. All right, um, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna we're we're really extending this bad boy long. I'm gonna try and crank through these last three stories about maybe new things we might see at WWDC. We talked about the hardware, we talked about the software. That to me is the show, but there's still kind of some things that are you know laying low. They're in the grass. They're like the lion that's stalking, that's ready to pop out. Air tags. We we know all about these air tags. The kind of like the little tile detection tags. They take advantage of Apple's U1 ultra wideband chip that ex currently exists in the current iPhone 11 and 11 Pros for just really super specific accuracy and locating items. Then this idea of them using the Find My app as a platform that people like Gil and I 
could opt in and anonymously, if someone loses an item, we'd be able to basically detect it within our location. This ultra wideband tech is supposed to be able to find things within five to 10 centimeters of their spot. So again, ultra accurate. I've been wanting air tags since last year. I don't think they're going to show up at WWDC, but are, are you on the airport air tags train or, or is this something that's like excessive to you? Well, so this is where uh, the unfortunate reality of tiles battery comes in, right? Mm. At some point I've got to replace the bat- the tiles. And so the, the question is when, when, when it's time to do that, do I pick up, uh, do I just go get tags and air tags instead? Cause I assume they'll work better. And I, and I'm, I may very well because that's, that's uh, tiles always run out of batteries and you can't just replace the battery. It's they're very Apple like that way. Right. Yeah. You have to buy a new tile. Um, so we'll see, uh, what it looks like. I, I could see myself switching over though. When, whenever one of the, uh, one of the tile devices dies. Well, you know, also, um, the power, the air power mat could power your um, charger tiles, your, your little air tags. You may give you another reason for, for that. You're not helping. <laughs> HomePod, HomePod Mini. Do you want to see it at WWDC? I feel like we'll see it in September or fall. Uh, I, I would agree. That would surprise me. I don't think they've, have they ever announced a HomePod at WWDC? That seems no. like a non-HomePod, really, not non-WWDC related thing. I mean, WWDC doesn't release audio products, but, you know, Apple's product lineup is just so extensive now that they won't do it. They haven't done it until they actually do it, right? Right. True. True. So, you know, you don't know about that. We, we won't know. And then also Apple's over ear headphones that have been rumored for a long time. People thought we might see it in, in, you know, earlier this year. I don't know if they're going to hold out and wait till September, October, but something tells me they've got to release more than just an iMac for hardware. You know what I mean? Like, well, I give mean, us something. Yeah, although they may be forgiven just because of the weirdness of the times. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I hear, I hear you, I hear you. But <laughs> they, they didn't. They, they haven't always released products though at WWDC. It's you know there were a couple where it's just straight up. Here's what. Here's the exciting true, true. iOS that's coming, and Most it gives least. you a, a little gives you a little preview of what the product might have, but it but it doesn't necessarily have a branding product or anything like that. Yeah, I just I just want to see something. I just want to see that kind of cool thing on the side. That's all. I want <laughs> I want that little extra side dish. That's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get that. I'm you want that one? You want that one more thing? I hear you. We all want. All of us old school heads want that one more thing, don't you? Yeah, I, I I'm always sad when it's not there, and I will always be sad when it's not there. <laughs> they have they have thrown it around here once in a while. So, all right, Gil, that is a damn comprehensive. I mean, I wanted to allow people to still find some time to hang out with their loved ones after listening to this. But that's pretty much our WWDC uh, wrap up or preview of what's going to happen. I think there's gonna be so much to talk after what, what are, if you had to say two or three things that you're looking forward to the most from some of the stuff we talked about, what is it for you? Uh, I, 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 the, the, I, the, the watch OS features. I mean, I think the sleep tracking and, and the, uh, and the, um, uh, Bloodhawk stuff. I think that's really th- those are those are those are going to be things that could be useful, you know. So I I think those would be very cool. Sleep tracking in particular. I'm always I'm always curious to see how much I'm actually sleeping. Anything else? Just that. I think that's it, man. I, you know, the other stuff is is all. Uh, it's you know, it's not. There's nothing else that's too mind blowing. I'd love it if Tesla figures out. It's all it's all watch related, man. I'd love it if Tesla figures out a way mm-hmm. to let my watch open unlock the car. Ooh, that, I think I think though that's. 
really more of a reality because th- now this just comes down to Apple opened up the NFC chip from the Apple Watch to the car. Tesla gets the API. They build a mini app for it that just has like four icons on it, right? Like lock, unlock, maybe like set your AC temperature and a trunk open. And that's all you need, you know, uh, at least yeah. on your wrist. That would be oh, awesome. I'm getting excited already about yeah, that. Me too. Me too. <laughs> me too. All right, man. Well, thank you again so much for hanging out um, and spending time just to drool all over this stuff. And again, the keynote itself will be on Monday, June 22nd. It starts at 10 a.m. I will have my own BTZ live stream like we do. I expect Gil to maybe call in and say hi. Like you I'll be do. watching, so I, I might. I might. might. Never you, know. might you never know. Um, so my keynote coverage will start an hour before around 9 a.m. And then I'll also do, we'll do the keynote. We typically just listen to it and then I'll have the post show. So just check it out, youtube.com slash Brian Tong. But Gil, thanks again, my man. And we will talk to you soon. See ya. All right, everybody, there you go. That was our WWDC 20 preview. It could have gone longer. I could have mentioned all these other small little things, but I need to be considerate of your lives as well. But what are you really excited for? What do you want to see the most? Let's just wait till the keynote wraps up and then call in the show, be a part of it, record that voice memo, applebitshow at gmail.com. And we cannot leave without thanking our Patreon Platinum Apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Eric Cohen. Thank you so much for your contributions and for supporting all of my work. And thank you to all of you who continue to allow me to do this. Literally, it is a crucial part of just making this all happen. So I thank you for all that. And again, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. All right. WWDC 2020, my live stream, 9 a.m. on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Brian Tong. I'll see you there, everybody. Take care and be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.